Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Matthew. Today is episode 826, and we'll look at Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 to 40. Let's read our passage. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they came together. And one of them, an expert in the law, asked a question to test him. Teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? He said to him, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. This is the Gospel according to Matthew. Matthew's writing this gospel, this account of the ministry of Jesus, to convince people that Jesus is the Messiah. We're in the section now where Jesus is in Jerusalem. He's been telling his disciples that he was going to Jerusalem. There he would be arrested, he would be abused, he would be killed, but he would also be raised from the dead on the third day. And now they're in Jerusalem. And Jesus has been interacting with the religious leaders. We have this group called the Sanhedrin, the ruling council. And on it are the chief priests, who mostly are Sadducees, the scribes, who mostly are Pharisees, and the elders, which are probably a mix of the two. And he's been dealing with all of them. Some of the chief priests and elders came to him and challenged him, what authority does he have to do these things, and who gave him that authority? Jesus turned around and asked them, what their understanding of John the Baptist's authority was. They couldn't answer him, so he didn't give him a direct answer, but then he gave him these three parables. The two sons in the vineyard, where one said he would do it, but didn't. The other one said he wouldn't do it, but did it. The question was, who did the will of the Father? And the challenge there is that they are not doing the will of God. He gave the parable of the landowner and the wicked tenants where the wicked tenants didn't do what was reasonably expected and thus are being replaced. The lesson there is they are not doing what God expects. They will be replaced. Then he gave the parable of the king who threw the wedding banquet, invited guests who wouldn't come. Then he destroyed those guests and brought in new guests. And Matthew tells us that they knew he was talking about them, and so they started looking for a way to arrest him. And that's what they've been doing now, is trying to find a way to get him to publicly say something that's going to get him in trouble. It's going to get the crowd to turn away from him, get the Romans to arrest him, or allow the religious leaders of the Jews to arrest him for blasphemy. So the Pharisees, along with the Herodians, came and asked him the question about, is it lawful to pay the Roman taxes? Then the Sadducees came and asked him the question about, marriage and the resurrection. Well, now we've made it to verse 34 in chapter 22. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they came together. So now it's back to the Pharisees. They're going to try to trip him up. Verse 35. And one of them, an expert in the law, asked a question to test him. Well, some key things to note here. One is an expert in the law. Earlier, when the Pharisees and Herodians tried to trip him up, they sent disciples. So they sent their students. Now, this one, he's not a student. He's an expert in the law. Some translations 
translate this as lawyer because that's an appropriate translation for it. This is the only time that Matthew actually uses this word. Now this would be a scribe because the scribes were the experts in the law, but Matthew describes him as an expert in the law. So this guy is not a student, a disciple. This guy is one of the heavy hitters. He is one of the experts. And notice the question is to test him. So it's not an academic question or even a question seeking knowledge. This is intended to trip him up. So it's a hard question. Verse 36. Teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? It sounds simple enough, but the rabbis who taught the law, by their calculation, the five books of Moses had 613 commandments. How do you follow that many commandments? And some of them might be slightly contradictory. What do you mean contradictory? Well, just some things we learn from Christian discipleship. We are to be charitable, but we're also to be thrifty and plan for the future. We're to trust God for the future, but we're to plan for the future. So all these things sometimes have a little bit of an offset to them. And how do you balance them out? Well, which one has priority? Well, we say it depends on the circumstances, depends on the leading of the Holy Spirit, depends on your motive. But they were more interested in following the rules. So how do you rank order the rules? Which ones have priority? So this was a lot of debate amongst the rabbis, was which rule is more important than the other. So this expert in the law asked him which command in the law is the greatest. Now, I suspect since it's to test him, he knows we can't even answer this question. So he's going to say something really silly, and we are going to be able to trip him up there. Verse 37. He said to him, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Now this is part of the Shema. It comes from Deuteronomy 6, 5. And this was scripture that your faithful Jews were supposed to recite every day. In fact, a few verses later in Deuteronomy 6, they're told to write them on their doorposts, write them on their foreheads. Now, how do you do that? Well, they had a little slips of paper that they were written down on, rolled up and put in little pouches that they wore on a headband. They were called phylacteries, and they contained this verse of Scripture in them. So this is something very well known to all the Jews, particularly the religious leaders. Now, Deuteronomy 6.5 says, Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and strength. Mark 12.30 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But then Matthew here, he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. So which is it? I think the simple answer is it's, it's all of these things. The, the meaning, obviously, is with everything about you, all of you. And I think Jesus is somewhat paraphrasing because in Deuteronomy 5, the Shema, it says heart, soul, and strength. But just a little later in Deuteronomy 11, starting in verse 13, it says, if you carefully obey my commands I've given you today to love the Lord your God and worship him with all your heart and your soul, 
And later in verse 18, imprint these words of mine on your hearts and minds. Bind them as a sign on your hands. Let them be a symbol on your foreheads. So it's kind of a restatement in somewhat a paraphrase from Deuteronomy 6. So I think Jesus is using that uh, somewhat paraphrase to say, Lord, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the meaning is with everything about you. Verse 38, this is the greatest and most important command. Then verse 39, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's from Leviticus 19:18. Now he was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And he gives the answer, the two. The first is loving God. The second is loving other people. Then he adds in verse 40, all the law and prophets depend on these two commands. So he says all the law and the prophets. He's essentially saying all of the Bible, all of the Old Testament. Now he says this, all scripture basically depends on these two things, loving God with everything about us and loving our neighbor like yourself. Does this mean we can do away with all the biblical rules and just love God and love people? No, that's not what he says. He doesn't say this replaces or this substitutes for. He says everything depends on these. So these two principles are what drives everything. It must be the motivation which drives obeying the commands and interpreting the commands. Why do we do what God tells us to do? Because we love God. And that interprets for us how to do these things that God tells us to do. We don't just blindly follow the rules. We do them out of love for God and do them in a way that shows love for God. Similarly, in things we're told how to deal with other people, we do that because we love God, but also because we love others. And loving others is what drives us in how to do these things and provides the motivation for doing them. Without love for God, without love for people, it's just simply following rules. It's just legalism. And it doesn't really matter how you do it. As long as you do it and get the check mark that it's done, because there's no motivation behind it other than following rules, which doing that out of fear of retribution from God, no, it must be done out of love for God. And so when Jesus says all scripture depends on these things, that's the motivation and the method of interpretation of how we do the things that God has told us to do. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through Matthew.